Welcome to the Podcast at the Hill. You are about to hear a message from Pastor Daniel Blaylock entitled, Spiritual Gifts, from our series, A Spirit-Filled Summer. Amen. 1 Corinthians 12, hear the word of the Lord today. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 6. The Bible says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. God bless the reading of his word and his people said, Amen. Amen. Years ago, Pastor Connie Stevens had returned from serving over across uh, in the former Soviet Union. He served in Eastern Europe and Russia for many years. And he came back to be a pastor in the United States Well, a lot of things had changed since he got back to the United States in the way of technology. And he was really confused about a lot of the new inventions that had come out and had not reached where he lived, but they were very popular here. And he was struggling to get used to some of these new inventions. He walked in one day and complained to his secretary that the pager his church had asked him to wear was not working because he'd been wearing it for a week But not a single call had come in on the pager. And yet some people had complained they'd been unable to get in touch with him. At that point, the secretary very nicely pointed out that what he was wearing on his belt was the garage door opener. (laughs) He also realized at that moment why he had been unsuccessful at getting the garage to open and close. (laughs) You see, the reality was he had all the right technology, but he didn't have all the knowledge he needed to operate the technology. My dad used to have a great little statement as a carpenter, and he would say, son, you've got to be smarter than the equipment you're operating. You ever heard that? Was that just my daddy? Some of your daddies said that too, didn't they? You've got to be smarter than the equipment you're operating. Most of us today would probably look at our phone and say, well, in that case, you need to take this away from me, right? Because a lot of us are not smarter anymore than our smartphones. In the body of Christ, if there is an area that many of us struggle to operate the equipment we've been given, it is the area of spiritual gifts. Amen? Would you say that's not fair? I think that's a fair assessment. There's lots of confusion. There's lots of disagreement. There's lots of controversy and even fighting about what the Bible teaches on spiritual gifts and how we flow in them, which ones are available, and how do we tap into them. Who can operate in spiritual gifts and who cannot? Well, I believe God wants us to be clear. He doesn't want us to be unclear. Amen? In fact, the Bible says that in chapter 12, verse 1, Paul begins this chapter by saying, Now concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be uninformed. I do not want you to be ignorant. He says, I want you to understand the way these things operate. So this morning I felt led of the Lord uh, to to teach for a few minutes before we go how spiritual gifts operate. I know some of you would say, Pastor, the Spirit of the Lord has just been growing every week in our services. Yes, there's been an intensity of His Spirit growing. Some of you are probably confused as to why I have not just gone ahead and opened the altar and chosen to preach on a couple mornings like that. I want you to trust me where you can't trace me, okay? I've heard from the Lord, and I'm following His leadership. And there's going to be a morning or an evening real soon when the Holy Spirit breaks over our heads like thunderclouds. And the time will be right, and we'll step into that moment, don't you worry. But I have sensed a burden from the Lord in this season to teach more in depth about how this works. And I believe the Lord's honoring that by showing up in the sweetness of his presence. And he's just hovering, he's just brooding, and when the time is right, the thundercloud will break. 
And I promise you, we won't have to manipulate that. We won't have to push it over the edge. How many of you know the Holy Ghost is quite able to do what he wants? Amen? He's God. He's able to do what he wants to do. We don't have to be worried about that. Amen? We're not going to quench him. We're not going to step back when he wants to move in that way. We're going to follow him and we're going to be led by him because he is the Lord. Uh, of over every service amen the bible says where the spirit of the lord is there's liberty in the greek it literally is where the spirit is lord there's liberty amen so we're going to let the holy spirit be the leader in all things amen a lot of people in today's society don't like spiritual gifts i've heard preachers even preach against certain spiritual gifts and yet the bible says do not forbid to speak with tongues and do not despise prophesying and some do. The Bible is very clear, I believe, in this passage about the way gifts operate, and I want us to unpack it. I want you to notice that Paul is very clear that although we call them spiritual gifts, they're not just gifts from the Spirit, they're gifts from the entire Godhead. There are gifts that the Father gives, there are gifts the Son bestows on the church, and there are gifts that come from the Holy Spirit. Where do you see that? Right here in this text. Notice this. There are diversity of gifts, but they come from who? The Spirit. There are different ministries, but they come from the Lord. That's Jesus. And then there are diversities of activities, but they come from God the Father. Do you see it? There's a Trinitarian emphasis to the way gifts work. Paul, in fact, gives three lists in the New Testament of spiritual gifts. And every list he attributes to a different member of the Trinity. You notice that? And I want you to look at that this morning. The first list is found in the book of Romans. It's in the book of Romans. And in the book of Romans, we find in chapter 12, the Father's motivational gifts. All these are diverse streams from one fountain, John Wesley said. The Holy Spirit gives gifts. Charismaton is the word. Jesus gives ministries. Diakonon is the word. That's deacon, serve. Jesus raises up many women to serve. And then the Father, activities. Ernagimaton. What is that? Energy, power. That's the word that the Father gives to us. Amen. These are all wonderful things. There's three types of spiritual gifts. The first one comes from the Father. Let's say the Father. The Father gives motivational gifts to the church. They're listed for us in Romans 12. Romans 12 verse 3 says, God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Say each one. Every Christian has a spiritual gift or more than one spiritual gift. God didn't leave any of his children out. If you're born again, you have a gift and you are intended to serve and operate in that gift. Amen? You say, oh, I didn't get any gifts. Then you're not born again. Because the Father is no respecter of persons and God gave all of his children gifts. And if you don't have a gift, you might want to check your spiritual birth certificate. Because if you're a child of God, you've got a gift. Amen. The Lord has endowed you with something for the kingdom of God and the furtherance of his church. Verses 6 through 8 in Romans 12 says, Having then differing gifts according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And then he lists seven of them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. If ministry, let us use it in serving. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with 
cheerfulness. And so you have those seven lists there. These are foundational gifts. They come to us in the new birth. God the Father is the author of humanity. He's the one who gives life. And he's the one who gave you new life when you became a Christian. And when you were born again, the Father gave you some spiritual gifts. You say, well, Pastor, I believe that you get gifts when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. What happens in the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Remember, there are some things that come from the Father, some from the Son, and some from the Spirit. The gifts of the Father come to us in the new birth. Say the new birth. He has given to each one of us in the body of Christ a spiritual gift. Romans 12 makes that clear. They're foundational. These gifts help you understand your life purpose in the family of God. They are endowments. Say endowments. What do I mean by that? They're permanent possessions. They are given to you by God. You keep them all through your Christian life. They don't come and go. They are implanted into you at the new birth. These seven gifts, they are given to you by God and they are a clue to what you're supposed to be doing in the church and in the kingdom and in the world around you. Your gifts give you a clue as to your function. Prophecy, ministry, teaching, exhortation, leadership, mercy. These things are a clue to why you're here. All of us function in one or more of these. We have these gifts from God. Some people would say, well, how in the world can all these work together? One day a group of believers were meeting in their home group and a woman accidentally spilled her cup of coffee. And each person in the group responded differently to the accident. The prophet rebuked the devil for distracting the Bible study that night. The teacher gave some advice and said, if you would set your cup on the coffee table rather than holding it on your knee like that, you wouldn't spill your coffee. The person with the gift of leadership organized a cleanup committee. The one with the gift of helps just ran and got the mop. The person with the gift of exhortation said, it's okay, we all make mistakes, don't let that get you down. The one with the gift of mercy put their arm around their shoulder and said, I feel so bad for you staining your new outfit like that. You see, they were all responding to the same situation out of their own giftedness. We all respond differently, and that's okay. Whatever gift you have, flow in that gift, unwrap the gift, use the gift, offer the gift back for the body of Christ, and be a blessing to those around you. Amen? Even if a believer has not yet fully yielded to the Holy Spirit's fullness, they may operate in these foundational gifts with great proficiency. This explains why we all know Christians who would not testify to the Pentecostal experience and yet they have great gifts and they operate in those gifts. I've had Pentecostal people say to me before, you know, I just don't understand why some of these preachers and teachers who haven't had the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the experience that we describe having, and yet they're very gifted in their ministry and they can teach and they can preach and they sing with an anointing or they do whatever. Well, I can explain it. Explained right here in Romans 12. God gave them gifts when they were born again. And those gifts are to bless the body. And they're operating in the gift that God gave them when they became a Christian. Pastor, do you believe that Christians ought to serve in the church even if they haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit yet? Yes, I do. I believe they already have some gifts and they should function in the gifts that they already have and operate in those gifts. They should already be doing that. Amen? Amen. I, we don't require you to drive before you walk, do we? 
No, you do what you can do and God will help you grow up and lay hold of what you can't do yet. But you start where you are. And if you'll use what you've got, God will give you more. Amen? Isn't that the way it works in the kingdom? If you'll use what you have, God will increase what you have. If you'll do all you can with what you've got, God will pour more on you. He'll do that. He's faithful to do that. Pastor, do you listen to people preach and teach or read books by people who have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit the way we describe that? Yes, I do. I do. I believe that according to their gifts, they can uh, be used and they can be a great benefit to the body of Christ. And I've read them and been taught by them in, in, in a lot of ways. They've been a great blessing to my life and ministry. Now, where they disagree with us on this subject, I'm not going to listen to them. I believe there are some things they know more about than I do. But I believe when it comes to spiritual gifts, I do believe that this is one of the unique reasons God raised up the Pentecostal and Charismatic movement. And I believe when it comes to this subject, we have a little more light on the issue than lots of corners of the body of Christ that deny the baptism in the Holy Spirit and don't operate in the gifts of the Spirit. I hope that's not arrogant. Like I said, I believe there are a lot of things other areas of the body of Christ know more about and are better at than we are. I just believe this is an area where God raised us up and helped us to see a little bit more than some others see. And so we're not being arrogant about that. We're just also not going to refuse to walk in what God's revealed to us. Amen? God has opened a door for us to flow in these gifts and to see the Holy Spirit operate in some special ways. And we wouldn't trade that for anything in the world. Amen? And so the Father gives these foundational gifts, and they're for every believer. They're motivational gifts, and they come from the Father. Say the Father. Then I want you to notice what the Son does. The Son of God comes, and He gives ministerial gifts to the church. Where is that found? Ephesians 4. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says in verses 11 and 12, And He Himself, who is that? Well, if you read the whole chapter, you realize He's talking about Jesus. Jesus Himself gave some to be prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Jesus is the head of the church, and he has placed in the church some office gifts. There are some offices that people hold in the church. There are some positions of leadership that God has given to his church. Individuals whom he has called and gifted to facilitate and equip the church to fulfill her mission in the world. There are four or five of them, depending on how you break them down. There's the apostle, there's the prophet, there's the evangelist, and there's the pastor and teacher. Some people put them together as one gift. Some people would say they're separate. I believe it can go either way. I certainly hope the pastor can teach, amen. But there are some people who are better at pastoring and not good at preaching. And there are some that are better at preaching than pastoring, amen. It's okay to say amen. I'm not offended by that. My tribe knows that is true of us. We're well aware of that. Amen. Amen. We know we're not all that in a bag of chips a lot of weeks. Amen. But however God packages it, we believe these gifts are things God calls people to function in. Not everyone in the church will fall into one of these offices. Jesus calls men and women and gifts them for these positions. The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. They're irrevocable. In other words, if God's called you to be one of these people, you are one and you will be one until you die. Amen. 
and that's just the way it is. Uh, it's not so much something you do, it really becomes more like who you are. Uh, I can't explain this to you except to say being a pastor is not just what I do. It's not just one gift that I function in. It is a calling. It's part of who I am. I don't know how to not do it. You see, this is just who I am. I do it, and I can't turn it on or off. Um, I, watch my, I watch one of my kids, and he believes that God's called him to be a pastor. And the thing that convinces me that it's very likely true is that when you watch him in a situation where something happens, he immediately begins to shepherd people. He begins to check on people. He wants to pray for them. He wants to call back and find out how they're doing. Where does that come from? I believe it is who he is. It's just something the Lord has placed in him. And he already senses that. I sensed it early on in my life. Sometimes you were called to that. There are people that just are gifted as to be an evangelist. If you've ever met Randy Williams and you wonder what weird tribe he's from, he's from the tribe of the evangelist. Amen? Amen. You say he makes me uncomfortable. He's called and anointed to make you uncomfortable. <laughs> do, you understand, do, you, do you not get that? God has rubbed him down with oil to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Amen? Amen. He doesn't want to do what I do, and I wouldn't do what he does. Amen? Randy Williams walked in a couple weeks ago on death row, looked him in the face and said, you're going to hell like a greased BB on a hot highway and led one of them to Jesus. Do you hear me? That's an evangelist. <laughs> I'm afraid they'd choke me to death through the bars if I walked in there and did that. Amen? Why can he get away with that? He's anointed to do that. That's his gift. That's his call. It's okay. You say, well, that, it's different. It is different. It has to be different. His job is to reach hold of men and women that are hardened in sin and lost and undone and shake them awake so that they feel their need of God. And he's gifted to do that. And I thank God for him. Amen? It's a different gift. Amen. Give the Lord praise. Amen. It's different. I, I tell you who makes me nervous. That's the prophets. Boy, they make me nervous. And people that come in and they look at you and like they can see straight through you. And they just call you up and tell you stuff about your life. And you're like, Lord, I hope he don't know some things. Amen. He starts going down a corn row and you're like, Lord, let me repent so you forget and don't tell him. Amen. Yes. The prophets. That's a gift that makes us nervous, right? Tell you what God's doing and what God's about to do. Do you believe in the prophet? I do. I do. I believe in the gift of the prophet. I was skeptical, I was skeptical of this gift early in my Christian life. I had a little woman uh, named Mother Daniels who laid her hands on me. I didn't believe in falling out either. I didn't believe in all that. And Mother Daniels laid hands on me and I fell out. And um, I, I looked back, back at her and I was, Mother Dixon, excuse me, I'm thinking about Sister Katie's mom, Mother Dixon. Mother Dixon laid her hands on me and I hit the floor. And I said, well, I guess there is something to that after all. You know, I mean, a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument, right? I mean, I had been dragged into this reluctantly most of my life. I was a Nazarene that got the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And so the Lord dragged me into this, amen? So if you're skeptical, I feel you. I understand that. But here I am because I am where I am because I can't deny what God's done in my life. She looked at me and she said, before you are 21 years old, you will be on a plane to go preach the gospel. And I said, I've never flown in my life. I don't have a passport. And Mother Dixon has missed it this time. When I was 20 years old, I looked down with a passport in my hand on my first flight to Honduras to preach a week 
of meetings. And I thought Mother Dixon knew what she was talking about, did she? Yeah. The prophet. That's a ministry. I, I had a lady named uh, my, uh, my friend Bernadine Daniels. She passed. She uh, is a prophetess. She lives up in Michigan, the thumb of Michigan, and she makes people nervous when she comes and does services because she knows stuff she shouldn't know about them. I've seen people's eyes get big as saucers in her meetings because she flew in from Michigan and told them everything about their life. Oh, scary stuff. She walked up to me one night. We were in the middle of our adoption with Abigail. We were $10,000 down from where we needed to be. And she looked at me and she said, I don't know what you're doing, but I know that it requires a lot of capital and a lot of money. And the Lord said to tell you, by the end of two weeks, you'll have all the capital that you need to do what God has put in your heart to do. She looked at me again. She said, every time I look at you, God says, tell you your money's coming. And I just sat there and went. And at the end of service, she said, what are you doing? Every time I look at you, the Lord says, tell him his money will be here by the end of this month. I want, by the end of that month, we had $10,000 we did not have to get on a plane and go to Korea and get our daughter. The prophet. Now listen, God could have done that without telling me about it, but he was comforting my anxious heart, letting me know, reminding me, I know what you're up to, I'm in it, and I'm on it. I'm working on it. Amen. And it just comforted me. It blessed me. Thank God for the ministry of the prophet. There are men and women God's called to walk in these gifts, and we should be blessed by their ministry. The church recognizes these men and women, and the church ordains them. We ordain them because God's already ordained them. Amen? We recognize them. We license them for ministry. The church lays their hands on them and says, we commission you to be among us as a minister or man and woman of God and to serve in your gift. Amen? Well, finally this morning, there are the spirits gifts say the spirit and these are manifestational gifts now I want to I want to spend my time here before we go eat fried chicken together amen let me explain this I want you to pay attention here if you've checked out on me I think this is the part more people get confused about than anything first Corinthians 12 Paul talks about the manifestations of the Holy Spirit he said in chapter 12 verse 7 but the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all say manifestation that is a key word. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. But to one and one in the same spirit works all these, distributing to each one individually as he wills. In chapter, 13, chapter 12, Paul uses three words for spiritual gifts, gifts of the spirit. Number one, he uses the word charismata. That's where we get the word charismatic from. Charis, charis is grace. Charismata means a gift of grace. What does that mean? It means you didn't earn it. It's a, just a gift that God gave you. It doesn't mean you're special. It doesn't mean you're mature. It doesn't mean you're holy. It just means you're gifted. It's a gift the Lord is operating in your life. Now remember that. It is not a mark of spiritual maturity. It is not a mark of holiness. You can be very immature and yet operate in a spiritual gift. People have said, I don't understand how a preacher who's living in sin could get up and preach under an anointing. I just explained it to you. It is a charismata. It is a gift of grace. And God operates it for the benefit of the people who showed up. 
It's not God approving the lifestyle of the minister in sin. It's God saying, in spite of the sorry rascal I've got in the pulpit, I'm going to bless my faithful people who showed up and needed blessing. God's not honoring that man in sin. He's honoring that church who showed up in faithfulness. Do you get it? So, so any preacher who thinks he can live in sin and just because God still uses him in a gift and he's okay, he's sadly mistaken. I remind you, God spoke through Balaam's donkey, but it was still a donkey when God got through speaking through him. Amen? So just because you stand in a pulpit doesn't mean you're all that in a bowl of grits. You've still got to live right and serve God. And your gifts won't make up for a lack of character. Do you hear me? Doesn't matter how gifted a man is, if he's not walking in righteousness and holiness, he can't stand in the spot. Gifts alone don't qualify you for ministry. Character qualifies you as much as competence and, char and charismatic gifts. Amen? Amen. The second, what is a gift of grace, freely given, not earned. It's not a merit badge to show how spiritual you are. Spiritual you are. Christian maturity is judged by fruit, not gifts. Say fruit, not gifts. Second word is nematicoi. It means spiritual things. What is Paul saying by using this word? He's saying this is not a natural ability or a heightened human ability. People hear you play the piano and they say, oh, you have such a spiritual gift to play the piano. That's a talent. It's not a spiritual gift. I could play the piano before God filled me with the Holy Ghost. And if I wasn't saved, I'd probably be using that gift in all the wrong places. It's a talent. Now, God can anoint that talent... And it becomes a gift, amen? And we have people here that God anoints their talent and it functions as a gift. But that is a natural talent. A, a spiritual gift is something that the Holy Spirit operates that wasn't there before. It's not just part of your natural makeup. It is something supernatural that comes in. And the third word is phanerosis, manifestation. The Holy Spirit manifests this gift. It declares or announces that he's present on the scene. It's interesting to me that Paul does not use the word Doron, which is endowment. These gifts don't operate like the first ones I mentioned. Gifts of the Father are gifts that are resident in you from the time you're saved and they don't ever leave. Manifestations of the Holy Spirit are not something you possess. They come and they go at the whim and the will of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says when the Holy Spirit moves, he manifests his presence. And if you are a believer and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can manifest through you any gift he wants to, anytime he needs to. But you don't own the manifestation. The only gift I have is the Holy Spirit. That's the gift I have. I don't have the gift. People say, well, you have the gift of tongues. No, I have the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he manifests through me sometimes by praying in tongues or giving a message in tongues. Well, you have the gift of interpretation. No, in the moment that it's needed, that gift can manifest in my life because I'm yielded to the Holy Spirit. If you're surrendered and filled with the Holy Spirit, he can operate any gift through you anytime you need to. You may have never laid hands on the sick before, but if you're the only spirit-filled Christian in the room, God can heal the sick through your hands. You may never have had a word of wisdom before, but if you're the only spirit-filled Christian on the scene, God can lead you to know exactly what to do in a difficult moment because he can speak to you. Do you have the gift of the word of wisdom? No, you have the gift of the Holy Ghost, and he has the gift of wisdom, and he can manifest that gift through you anytime he needs to. Amen. These are manifestations. Say manifestations. 
I don't possess gifts of healing and tongues or miracles. Not in the same way that I am a pastor or that I have the gift of teaching or mercy or service or encouragement. I can flow in those all the time. But these are manifestations. That's why it is utter nonsense. I want you to listen to me right now. You hear people who argue against the gifts of healing and miracles and they say, well, if you have the gift of healing, why don't you just go down to the children's hospital and heal every sick kid on the cancer ward today? And people say, well, that's a strong argument. No, it isn't. It's a foolish argument. It's utter nonsense. Why? We don't have the gift of healing. We have the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost manifests through us whatever gifts he decides when, where, and how he wants to. Don't get mad at me if I go pray for kids on the cancer floor and none of them get healed or some of them get healed or all of them get healed. Amen? I learned a long time ago uh, from T.L. Lowry, if I don't take credit for the ones that get healed, I don't have to take blame for the ones that don't get healed. Amen? <laughs> I don't have the gift of healing. I have the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can manifest the gift of healing through me or through you anytime he gets ready to. Well, I don't think it ought to work that way. Well, don't take it up with a Pentecostal preacher. Take it up with God. He is the administrator of the gifts. The Holy Spirit is sovereign, and he determines when and where and how he'll operate. And if you don't like it, well, I guess you can put that on the long list of things you have a problem with with God. Amen? And he'll straighten it out when you get to the gate. Amen? I'm sure he will. But don't get crossways with your Pentecostal friends who believe and expect that God will still meet us in an altar and manifest gifts of healing and miracles and prophecy and words of knowledge and he will bless the body who gathers in worship of his name. The gift is the spirit and the manifestations flow as he chooses for them to operate. They occur spontaneously. They manifest um, as we're yielded to him. And I believe this with all my heart. The baptism in the Holy Ghost opens the door to these manifestations. Did you hear me? I believe the baptism in the Holy Spirit opens the door to these manifestations. I've met a few people who operate in them without having had that moment, but I've met very few. The general experience of the church has been this. You may operate in the gifts of the Father. You may be called to ministry by the Son. But if you're ever going to operate with any degree of proficiency in things like healing or miracles, tongues and interpretation, prophecy, words of knowledge, usually the door to those gifts gets opened when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Why? All right, I'm going to leave the page for a minute. This is not in the Bible. This is from the whatever it's worth department, okay? Doug Small and I believe this, and if you don't believe it, that's all right. You don't disagree with God. You just disagree with me and a very smart man named Doug Small. I believe whenever we receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit and, and, and pray in tongues for the first time, we unlock gifts from all three categories here. What do you mean? Well, there are three sets of these three gifts the Bible gives us here in this list. No, there's three knowing gifts. Say knowing gifts. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. There's three doing gifts. Miracles, healing, and special faith. And then there are three speaking gifts. Prophecy, tongues, and interpretation. Whenever you're baptized in the Holy Spirit and pray in tongues for the very first time, it requires you to function and manifest one gift from all three lists. 
When the Holy Spirit moves on you, you have to discern that it's the Holy Spirit and not the devil and not your flesh, not emotion. You have to discern that it's the Holy Spirit. So that's discernment. And then you have to have faith, say faith, to open your mouth and speak these strange words that the Holy Spirit is bubbling up in your spirit at the risk of sounding odd and strange to those who are around you. And then number three, you have to find, not only do you have to discern it and have the faith to flow in it, you have to open your mouth and speak. Say speak. And so by doing that, you, you unlock the, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit because you sense it's the Spirit, you step out in faith and trust Him and surrender your mouth, and then by faith you open and speak and cooperate with this gift. I believe that is why this opens the door. If you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit, you have learned how to lean back and surrender and yield enough for any of the gifts to operate through you. For most of us, the first one is tongues. But that shouldn't be the only one. It shouldn't be the last one. Receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit is training wheels. Say training wheels. It teaches me how to get started operating in the gifts of the Spirit. But if you can ever yield to the point that the Holy Spirit overflows you and manifests himself, you can learn how to flow in that over and over and over. It is a partnership between us and God. Say partnership. I'm closing. I'm aware of my time today. I want to say this to you today. Don't get these three things confused. I hope this brings some clarity to you. If you are a Christian, if you are born again, the Father has given you some motivational, foundational gifts, and you ought to be operating in them. And even if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit yet, you ought to be operating in the gifts you have and the discovered, and you ought to be using them for the glory of God. I've had people in Pentecostal churches say, well, I can't do anything. I had not been baptized in the Holy Spirit yet. There are some things you might not can do yet, but there's a lot you can do and you ought to be doing. Amen. Mm, don't shout me down. I'm preaching good this morning. Amen. Don't use that as an excuse. Number two, some of us in the room have struggled and wrestled with this reality. Jesus may have called you to one of these five ministerial gifts. You may be here and you may know in your heart that the Lord Jesus has laid his hand on you. He has called you and gifted you and you have this burning desire. There's something in you that yells at you. You're not doing all you're supposed to be doing for the kingdom. And you've sensed that you've got gifts that point you a certain direction, that point in the direction of a prophet or a missionary or an evangelist or a pastor. Why aren't you flowing in that gift? Why aren't you yielding to that? Ask Jesus if that is his will for you. And if it is, be willing to submit to that. Get some other Christians to pray with you and ask God to confirm that to you so that you'll know that it's him. Believe that the body of Christ will be able to affirm and confirm that gift in your life. Amen? Amen. Finally, this morning, if you're here, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Have you opened your heart to flow in these charismatic gifts? Are you open to that? You will never operate in a gift that you are not open to. Did you hear me? You will never operate in a gift that you're not open to. If you are not willing for the Holy Spirit to take you into this deeper place where he can manifest these more spectacular gifts, as some people would call them. I don't like that term. Things like tongues and prophecy and healing. If you're not open to that, it won't ever happen for you. I'm just telling you. But if you are willing to surrender control of your heart 
to that level, I'm telling you, there is a wonderful place you can live in God where you can be yielded and surrendered to the Holy Spirit and He can begin to manifest through your life gifts that have never been there before. Gifts that are not part of your natural makeup. Gifts that are not explainable by talent or even heightened human ability. I mean the ability to hear God, to flow with God, to see God work through you in ways that are supernatural. Are you open to that? God wants this for you. Stand with me all over the building today. You say, now Daniel, I believe this is just for pastors and preachers and evangelists and teachers. They're the ones who need those kinds of gifts. No, no, no. No, no friend. It is God's will for all of his children to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and to function in these gifts. The pastor's job is not to play the game. The pastor's job is to coach the team. The body, the church, is supposed to be operating and flowing in these gifts. Our job is to help you learn how to operate and flow in these gifts. You know what? I long for the day when we don't just come and say, Oh, how God moved around the altar. Oh, how God moved in the service. Didn't God use our pastor? Didn't God use that evangelist? That's not what it means to be a spirit-filled church. What it means to be a spirit-filled church is when we show up one Sunday morning and we say, Isn't it wonderful how God used the body of Christ Monday through Friday? We encouraged people in nursing homes. We prayed for folks in the hospital and they got healed. We witnessed to people in Walmart and they got saved. We went down to the drug treatment center and God set people free from bondage to their addiction. We had people meet in our home for Bible study and new per- new person showed up and gave their heart and life to Christ. We had people filled with the Holy Spirit in our life group before service ever began as our community of believers laid hands on them. Do you hear me? That is a spirit-filled church. I don't want us to have a spirit-filled pastor. I want us to be a spirit-filled church. Amen. You know, if pastor would just listen to God, know if we would all open our hearts to where God can manifest through us, we would be a spirit-filled overflowing with the life and the power and the signs that God's given us. Amen? Now remember, this is not a sign of your spiritual maturity. It's not a merit badge. It's not something you earn. It is a gift of grace. It is a charismata. It's a gift of grace. You don't earn it. You don't get mature enough to have it. Lord help you. I hope you get mature enough to operate in it and walk in it. Amen? But I want to tell you, God wants to use you for his kingdom. Our gifts make us useful, but the fruit of the Spirit, our maturity, makes us usable. Are you usable today? God will make you useful, but our character makes us usable. You're useful, are you usable? What do you mean, Pastor? (laughs) Years ago, a missionary was called and wanted to go out on the field, and they called him in for an examination meeting. He showed up for the interview at 5 a.m. That's when he was told to be there. The examiner made him wait until 8 a.m. before he finally walked in and gave him the interview. At 8 a.m., the interviewer walked in and said, Sir, can you spell? The missionary candidate said, Yeah, I I can spell. He said, Spell Baker. He said, B-A-K-E-R. He said, Fine. 
Now, do you know anything about numbers? The examiner said. He said, yes, sir, a little bit. He said, add two plus two. He said, well, two plus two is four. He said, well done. I'll meet with the committee tomorrow and I will tell them that you passed the missionary interview. You're dismissed. You can go home. The man got in his car and went back home through the snow. The next morning, the interviewer met with the committee and he said, I would like for you to know this man has all the qualifications for being a fine missionary. First, I tested him on self-denial. He left his warm bed at 5 o'clock in the morning and arrived at my house. Second, I tested him on promptness. He arrived on time. Thirdly, I tested him on patience. I made him wait for three hours to see me, and he never grumbled or complained about it. Fourth, I tested his temper. He failed to show any sign of anger or aggravation. Fifthly, I tested his humility by asking him questions so simple even a seven-year-old child could have answered them, but he never raised any indignation at me. So I believe this man has all the gifts and graces to be a fine missionary. Our gifts make us useful, but our character makes us usable. A spirit-filled church is one that is both sanctified and spirit-baptized. Gifts and graces, fruit and gifts flowing together. The spirit of Jesus continuing the ministry of Jesus. Amen? Will you lift your hands this morning? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray for your people today who've gathered out of love for you, who've gathered around your table, who express their faith and their confidence in your Son. Lord, we are the body of Christ. And we've gathered this morning for worship, and we're about to scatter for service. And Lord, I pray for us that your Holy Spirit will breathe on us now. Breathe on us right now. Holy Spirit, come blowing through and rest on us. Come and anoint us. Come and lay your hand on us. Come and use us. Not so we can leave this place saying, oh, what a service. But so we can leave this place and render service for the kingdom of God. Thank you, Lord God. Help us today. Lord, as our Bishop Tim Hill has said, you don't fill us with the Spirit for our enjoyment, but for our employment. Let us work for you this week. Let us leave this place filled with the Holy Spirit, overflowing with your touch. Let us leave this place operating in gifts and abilities that do not come from us. Let us leave this place leaning on you, depending on you. May we be yielded. May we be usable as well as useful. Lord, today, may you flow in us and through us. And may you do a work in us. May we gather in this place next Lord's Day testifying what the Lord has done through the ministry and the life of this church as we've scattered all over this county to bear witness for Jesus and to love and serve in his name. May we not be afraid of anything. May we not be afraid to lay our hands on the sick or the broken. May we not be afraid to speak a word of encouragement or life to those who are downtrodden. May we not be afraid to share what we sense the Holy Spirit nudging and prompting and, and, and pushing us to share. May we not ride past the moments of you urging us. May we not grieve you or quench you this week. Let us not grieve you by our negative attitude or sinning against you. May we not quench you by refusing to obey you and operate in the gifts that you urge us to manifest this week. And we'll bless you and we'll thank you in Jesus' name.
in Jesus' name. Would you just say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Fill me up. Use me. Pour me out this week. In Jesus' name. Give the Lord a great hand of praise. Amen. 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 As you receive this blessing from the Lord, may the grace of the Lord Jesus, and may the love of God the Father, and may the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit be with us and remain among us throughout this week in Jesus' name. Now listen, as the, Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so send I you. Will you receive that today? In the name of Jesus, as your pastor, I am sending you forth. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, go, be the body, manifest his presence, be the hands and feet of Jesus to the world. Listen, we took bread and we blessed it and broke it and received it. God's going to take us, we're the bread, and he's going to take us and bless us and break us and he's going to give us. This is the sacrament of the church. We are the sacrament for this community. Let him take you and bless you and break you. And let him give you away this week. Don't worry. He'll pour back in anything you lose on the journey. See you next Sunday. Thank you for listening to our podcast at The Hill. We pray that you were blessed by this message. For more information on what's happening at The Hill and to stay connected, visit our website at foresthillcog.org. Join our Facebook page, facebook.com slash foresthillcog. Or download our app from the iTunes or Google Play Store.